Welcome back to the Goal Line Stand, a Section 247 presentation. I am Michael Lipinski. I'm joined, as always, by Brett Halpern. And Brett, the big news coming out of Philadelphia in the past week, Eagles head coach Doug Peterson, asymptomatically but test positive for COVID-19, he is now fully remote as the Eagles begun training, begin training camp. And Deuce Staley takes over as the day-to-day on-the-field coach for the Birds. I, number one, we hope that Coach Peterson gets hel- is healthy and that nobody around him immediately is sick. It doesn't seem like that is the case. But this is a bigger issue here for the National Football League. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, you know, it also raises into uh, question whether or not, in light of Matthew Stafford, did he have a false positive? Because that was the issue with Matthew Stafford, is he tested positive once, and then it turns out it was a false positive. And apparently his family got a lot of crap for just going to like the supermarket. Yeah, his wife... Well, I saw it on TMZ, so I always take everything that's on TMZ with a little bit of a grain of salt. That's a good move. But Matt Matthew Stafford's wife went, and now she she was recovering from a brain surgery. I don't believe it was cancer, but she was very sick. Yeah. So this was uh, of the utmost importance to her family. Really yeah. took the NFL to task here on whether or not whether or not the testing was correct. Now we can get into the 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 testing but that's a, it seems to be more of an issue for a different type of podcast so to speak yeah i'd say I, I don't know if we're quite literate from a scientific perspective yeah. to discuss that nothing's foolproof yeah but this at this juncture i, I as of our recording uh, 56 players have tested positive on the intake side of it yeah. from, according to pro football talk you've had multiple coaches and Doug Peterson is a pretty a super bowl winning coach this is yeah. going to put this thing at the forefront. I, I mean, how this goes back to what we've been discussing for weeks. How is this going to work? Uh, that is the million dollar question. I do wonder, it seems as if a lot of teams are discussing now voluntary bubbles. So I don't know if that means they're going to essentially rent out hotels for that's, six months, which that's might, what I know. I, I, I think saw, Tampa. Tampa, Tampa yeah. is going to do it. They're yeah. going to create a bu- their own bubble and ask their players to partake in it. Yeah, or, or I wonder if you know you you break it up into you have you know five offensive linemen live together and you you just you pick a house, you rent a house. I don't know what the answer is. Quickly though, returning back to the Eagles with Doug Peterson, I, I want to share your sentiment. I hope. He's okay from everything. It sounds like he was asymptomatic. I, you know, long term for the Eagles, I don't think this is going to really just Doug Peterson. I don't think this is really going to interfere with that much. Um, you know, you have Deuce Staley who will be there to essentially run the practices, but you know that the moment those practices are over, Doug Peterson's reviewing that film. He's probably reviewing that film in real time. I, so, I would think that yeah. He, yeah. So, uh, yeah, from a football perspective, I don't think it, this is too uh, this is too harmful. But again, I, I it is going to be really interesting to see the next round of testing numbers. So, okay, we don't know where everyone was prior to training camp, but now we're in training camp. People are supposed to be mindful of where they're going. 
are there new positive cases after training camp? That's going to be the interesting thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I know the NFL it came out recently that they were going to be implementing fines of players who broke protocol. Uh, you can thank the Miami Marlins for really pushing this to the forefront on the baseball front. And Lou Williams. Right. What's that? And Lou Williams. And Lou Williams, yeah, yeah, who yeah. went there for the wings, right? He went for the wings. But yeah. they're going to be implementing fines. I think it starts at $50,000 was the number I read, and yeah. I'm, sure they're, I'm sure the Players Association is going to love that. It, it's certainly going to be interesting. Look, maybe Tampa has the right idea. Maybe you should go find the bubble. The Giants could go to that hotel right across the uh, way from the stadium. Okay, the Eagles, I, I guess in this case, wouldn't be able to go to the Holiday Inn. It's no longer there. But find a place downtown, and it's just to and from. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that it can work. I don't know. Or rent several homes. See, my issue with the hotel, you'd have to rent the whole hotel. Easily. Because you need to control everyone who's in that building. That's why I would rent rent 12 houses. Airbnb, you know, rent 12 houses yeah. for several months uh, if I were the organization. That's what I would do. And you just have them live there. I mean, that's going to be a little crazy, but, you know, it's it's going to be tough. I'm hopeful because, like, because there are financial ramifications, not only if with respect to if the season is not played, but also if you violate these rules. Although how I don't how are they going to enforce that? I have not read that there is going to be a hall monitor, so to speak, enforcing yeah. it. I believe it's going to be players enforcing it. Look, if there's any league where this would actually work of players enforcing players, there's two. One's hockey, and that yeah. bubble's working perfectly fine. And I yeah. think the other one would be football, where it's a very much just, hey, shut up and do what you're supposed to do so we can yeah. play kind of thing. There, not to say that there's not a party aspect to football, but there's a little bit more. I don't want to say leadership because that's not right. It, it, there's a little bit more a sense of this is what we're going to do. We're going to yeah. go out and we're just going to play the game. Yeah. Well, and, and again, I agree with you. I don't necessarily know if it's leadership, but a veteran presence. That, yeah, that's uh, a good way to put it, maybe. A yeah. Presence. Yeah, so, like basketball, you have a lot of these guys that are young and they're superstars, and the bubble's working great in Orlando. That yeah. they've had no tests, but in a real world scenario, you see these guys all over the place. And I'm not even saying in bad locations, just kind of Chick Fil A, yeah. Shake Shack, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'd imagine certain teams, if I had to guess, are going to employ specific members uh, of the team to monitor the situation yeah i so i know that and this is the case for each team when the players are at the facility they are equipped with this bio tracking monitor but i i think they get to take it off once they leave the facility because if they kept it on presumably you would see oh so and so is at you know pj Willands. yeah i i think i think they do take it off when they leave yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Let's get into into some specifics here, but a, a few reminders. We are a Sports Talk Philly partner, presented as always by Michael's Glass Company, 215-338-3293. We can be found at thegoallinestand.com and on all social at GL Stand Show. Uh, we are trending 
as a top three podcast on Podomatic, we usually sit at that number one spot. So we appreciate all of our listeners for helping make us that and put us there. Uh, we salute you. We'll buy you a beer when we're actually able to. Yep. Let, let's get into it. We discussed the COVID at the top here. What is the NFL's latest situation on, as far as the opt-outs? And, and for the record, you'll hear this on a football Friday, but we are recording on Thursday. So take that into account a little bit. Yeah, the opt-out deadline is actually, as we are recording, it is 38 minutes away um, from last episode to this one in terms of big names. I believe the two biggest names would be Juwan James, who is the starting right tackle for the Denver Broncos. He's opted out. And Sam Beal, who was with everything going on with DeAndre Baker for the New York Giants, was now the presumptive starter uh, at one of the cornerback slots. He has opted out. Those are probably the two biggest ones. And also, um, you know, we are going to be going uh, into more detail and specificity regarding the opt-outs as it relates to each team uh, in our 32 for 32 preview uh, previews, which are going to be coming out uh, starting in several days. So, yep. We 32, Brett mentioned it, 32 for 32. Check us out on our YouTube channel. The link will be in the show notes. And it's also all over our social media. 32 for 32 begins with the AFC West, the Los Angeles Superchargers. Am I allowed to call them that? Or is that like offensive to San Diego? I I, I call them San Diego most of the time. Yeah, I do too. I got I to gotta put a big note that... LA. That division is so strange. You have the Los Angeles Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders. It's just, it sounds very strange. We, we will discuss that when we get this thing started. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Be sure to check that out. Uh, let's talk about opt outs, opt ins. Does this change the whole approach for guys like Jadavian Clowney, other free agents? You mentioned to me Antonio Brown, a little bit of a problem there with the suspension, but maybe someone takes the risk. Well, yeah, so what happens is the um, the NFL, the NFL and the NFLPA finally reached the agreement, which is why the deadline is Thursday at 4 p.m. But what people did not know, and then it came out, is that when a player opts out, not only is their guaranteed salary taken off the books for the salary cap, but any prorated portion of their bonus. So when you when someone gets a signing bonus, you get to prorate it through the life of the contract. That proration uh, figure now also comes off the books. People didn't know if it would. So for instance, like New England, they now have a lot of money just for this year. And it begs the question, are there certain teams that might want to go all in on signing the remaining free agents who have not yet uh, signed with the team? Namely, Jadavian Clowney, a Logan Ryan. You could look, you could sign Antonio Brown, but he obviously has eight games that he's going to be suspended. A Josh Gordon. There, there's, you know, there are still several players out there who can make an impact on a team. So now with this extra money, do you, do you go do that? That's the question. Let's talk about the opt out and how players actually have to pay back their. Yeah. Their dollar, the money. So if you're, as we discussed last week, if you're high risk, 350K. If you're normal risk, 150K. Obviously, the league and the Players Association agreed to this. So 
there's not necessarily there's not necessarily a, a fight over it, but I'm kind of surprised that a player is going to have to pay it back in the future. Yeah, the one thing I was thinking of because we were discussing this off air, I think this closes the loophole that we discussed last episode, which was for the marginal league minimum player who didn't have a contract next year. We were like, yeah, it kind of makes no sense financially. Opt out because you're going to have, you know, you'll get the money. Well, now you're going to have to pay back that money. So really, it doesn't make much, you know, it, 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 this, I think, further incentivizes some of the more marginal players to stay in the league as opposed to opting out. Makes sense. You know what else? Uh, you know what else would give players? Actually, it should go the other way. To be quite honest with you, maybe if you opt out, you take the three hundred fifty k. Yeah, you have to pay it back. But maybe someone like The Rock can offset that a little bit when you join his brand of football, the new XFL. And the look, I smell what The Rock is cooking. The Rock, his ex-wife, and business partners have gone forward and. They, they the bid was accepted with some provisions, but fifteen million for the XFL. What are your thoughts on that? Look, you know this guy has, and I'm uh, excited by the way. And I will get yeah. To no, no. Look, this look. The Rock has the Midas touch, right? I mean, everything this guy does is successful. I mean, even the movies I don't even necessarily like. They all do big business. Everything he does, his tequila is doing really well. Everything this guy touches works. And look, the other thing I would say is prior to the pandemic, this version of the XFL was doing was much better than the original. It was football. Incarnation. Yeah, it was football. It, I think the ratings were halfway decent. The ratings were okay. And ratings, everyone looks at the ratings. And I think it's such a flawed system. Yeah. We, we discussed this on In the Fight when we discussed wrestling that ratings have just changed how you watch things you know i could stream it on a phone and you, people don't it doesn't count the same way yeah. uh, this version the last version xfl 2.0 was doing really well it was i don't want to call it excellent football but it was good football it was, it, it it was had, good football it had players it had some unique rules unique takes things that the nfl is going to take into consideration like yeah. the kick the kickoff rule what was different, but it was yeah. a safety thing, and it worked. They have the sky ref, the sky cam, which I believe the NFL is going to start implementing. There were good things about it. It wasn't the hokey – it wasn't the XFL that The Rock was introducing yeah. you know, 20 years ago. Yeah, well, I think another thing to take into consideration is if you if – you, and you and I know this, but if you know The Rock's story, this is a guy who tried to make it in one of what I'll call the secondary football leagues, because he tried, you know, he was in the CFL. So he 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 um, empathizes with the players that would be in this league. So yep. I, because of that, I think he's going to work especially hard to create a viable alternative for guys that are right on the cusp of the NFL, and you know, to create this uh, legitimate second league. I don't think that The Rock ever envisions challenging the NFL's supremacy, but to just create a viable second league. And I think he could do that. We put it out as a Twitter poll on our Twitter at GL Stan Show. 
will the Rocks version of the XFL be considered the next USFL? Because people forget the USFL before somebody decided to move it to the fall and ruin it. We won't mention who because we're not political here, but 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, you can figure it out. The USFL was a extremely successful league. It had big television numbers, had in a lot of places, big crowds. It had fan followings in major cities. Yeah. Do you think that this rocks XFL, which we don't know what it looks like yet, right? Yeah. And, and I wouldn't factor in next year because I think it's going to be a weird year anyway. Yeah. Do you think the rock could create the next USFL? I think that, well, it depends what you mean. And what I mean by that is, in, are you talking simply in terms of the success of the USFL? Or are you also including having the ability to sign players who eventually even made it to the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Because uh, the US, so do you, are you asking me, do I think The Rock's going to eventually be able to? steal away some first round talent is there a is, is the rock going to be able to create a league where maybe not first round talent but you're getting guys that are clearly nfl players and maybe there's a financial reward for them to go play in this league is it possible i think so i i think that if i were him i would stick to that model as opposed to banking on the eventual ability to take away five to six first round talent players a year. You know, I think that it might come to the point where if you're drafted, you know, fifth round or below, or you're a college free agent, it might make more sense to go play in the XFL. And I think the rock could build it to that. I really do. Yeah. If there was any person and it's funny, this came up in a group thing on a football world on Facebook, great football group for those of you who are on there where who would be the next owner of the XFL and, and the guy that runs the group, John Turner put the rock and it was like a ha ha thing. And two days later, there it is. This is the guy that just, he has a work ethic. Oh yeah. Work ethic, like none other. And you said it, he has the Midas touch, but he has the Midas touch because he works hard for it. Yeah. And he's a very, very smart businessman. Knew when to get out of the ring, knew when to go back in the ring, knew what to do on the movie set, on the movie front, liquor, all this different stuff. Yeah. If there was ever a guy that's going to make it work, this is it. Look, he has a deal with Under Armour. Under Armour isn't what it was 10 years ago as far as branding goes, but it would look a whole hell of a lot better than a no-branded uniform for the the New York, New Jersey guardians, if they're wearing an Under Armour uniform and you then put that marketing machine behind it. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what his vision is. His wife is ex-wife, excuse me, is extremely successful too. So you you have smart business people who by all accounts are willing to listen to people. I think the, the other interesting thing that we should take into consideration is with the CFL in trouble and potentially folding, they, he might just step right in and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, there's going to be six teams in Canada in markets. And I would literally, I mean, I don't know if we'll be able to create the Toronto Argonauts or the Montreal Alouettes, 
But you know that those markets, there's at least some semblance of a desire for a team in those markets. Yeah, absolutely. And you have, the, and you already have the player base. Yeah. So, I mean, timing is everything. Timing is everything. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to watch and follow this along. The Rock doesn't lose at many, at many things. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. We're going to bring, we were going to bring this up. Well, I was going to bring this up on the wrestling show next week in the fight, which you can find at in the fight.net and at in the fight show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Do you think this pisses off Vince McMahon that one of his guys, you know, and I want to call him a, a creation of Vince McMahon, but Vince McMahon gave him the platform to be what he is today has now swept in and, for a lot less money than Vince paid, resuscitated a league and already drummed up more excitement for it? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. So my initial answer is yes. And though I know he will spin it as, well, The Rock's one of our guys. That's yeah, the can, spin. Yeah, he can spin it however he wants to spin it. But fact yeah. of the matter is, is people are excited to work with The Rock that weren't excited to work with Vince McMahon. Yeah, absolutely. And and there was, you know, different uh, allegations of, of shady business dealings and whatnot. And, you know, I think, look, I, I think there was also some people had issues with the fact that the McMahon family technically is part of the uh, president's cabinet. So now you're be a, you can completely divorce yourself from that. Yeah, absolutely. Just work, work freely. So, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Excited for 2021 spring football from the XFL. We might be excited for 2021 spring football from the National Collegiate Athletic Association. Um, just about every FCS conference has said, see you later. No Division II, Division III championships. UConn, Dunzo from the Division I level. There, but, but the Power Fives have announced schedules. They're moving forward. Again, here we are. It, there's no way this is going to work. And we're going to get to how we're going to get to it, how you deal with it. But let's let's touch on a couple things. Schools are covering up their COVID numbers and their outbreaks. This is not good. Yeah, although it makes you wonder, should Rutgers have attempted to do so as well? Because they're going to. I was honest. I was listening to the the Andrea Mitchell show on MSNBC, which is on at noons, and she's Rutgers. Well, she wasn't crushing records, but she was on the phone, or she was speaking with Governor. Actually, she she was speaking with Senator Menendez, and she's talking about the the terrible outbreak associated with Rutgers football. I mean, Andrea Mitchell is a, uh, a journalist of forty years, well respected in the industry, and and of course, there we we know you and I. There are even though there's twenty eight, apparently it's twenty eight players and staff members. It's 20 players and then in, in addition several staff members who are have contracted the virus for Rutgers. There are um, Division 1 FBS teams that have more infections. But they're not discussed. Rutgers is discussed because they put it out there. And you know, I understand the the reasons why they do, that's just how they operate. But maybe like these programs that are covering up the true numbers, maybe that's what they should do from a PR perspective because Rutgers is getting hit, you know, and they're getting negative mentions, you know, from random reporters like this. 
I, I, I wonder if it's a public institution thing. Like I know Northwestern has said they've had positive tests, but they don't release the numbers. Private yeah. school. Uh, yeah. It's very much a, it's, oh, it's, it's disturbing that Rutgers is getting shafted this way. Look, we're less than a month away from college football kickoff, apparently, at this point. And I don't know how it's going to happen. Let, let's go out to the Pacific Northwest and the, and the West Coast. The Pac-12, there might not be a Pac-12 in the next couple of days. There are yeah. the student athlete is demanding changes from a social justice perspective and a health perspective. Yeah. They have guys that are being let go from squads like Washington State. This is a bad situation. Yeah, so I pulled up their demands. And I first of all, I have to tell you, if you were to look at these demands and divorce the demands from who the players are, you a lot of them are like, they, they just make sense, right? I mean, it's just being treated like a normal human being, you know, in terms of like COVID protections, allow option not to play during the pandemic without losing athletics eligibility or spot on the roster, uh, prohibit the COVID agreements that waive uh, liability, which I think is ridiculous. Um, you know, they want to be in, they want to be in the process with respect to the health and safety standards and the different protocols. Um, well, you know, the big 10, the big 10 players also put out a statement. Uh, it's called big 10 unite. Yeah. And we do this in the players tribune, which is essentially the same thing that the PAC 12 players were asking for. I, I think they might have gone about it in a little bit more of a diplomatic fashion, it sounds like, which is maybe yeah. why the or the schools aren't coming down on these guys. But this is a, this is a big problem with the Pac-12. You have coaches that are going to war with players. Uh, yeah, it's – well, there's a few of the demands that are a little contradictory. I mean, so – and some of them I think they also don't understand that – to implement them is going to take more than five days. So, for instance, I mean, they call for, I think, the head – I think it's the head, is Larry Scott's the head of the Pac-12, right? I believe so, yes. So, yeah, so Larry Scott, administrators, and coaches to voluntarily and drastically reduce excessive pay. That actually – the paperwork involved alone on that takes more than the, the time that they actually think it would. It would. Then um, one of them is end lavish facility expenditures. Uh so you can't have it both ways because, look, when kids are getting recruited to Oregon, right, they are going to play and they love going to play at that amazing facility, right? They, and they spent $40 million. So They love having a video game system you, in every locker and TV. Exactly. You can't have it both ways. So that one I just don't think makes the most and look if that's the case then you can't fault team schools like a Rutgers that maybe don't have the same kind of facilities and so that one but I mean here's this one I, I agree with um you know they also and part of this is to preserve all sports and they cite the example of Stanford reinstating all sports by tapping into their 27.7 billion dollar endowment and that makes that to me makes perfect sense. You know, there's a lot of civic engagement. Then the other thing is also um, economic freedoms, uh, you know, paying for uh, that players should be able to get paid for their uh, the, the university's use of their image and likeness, uh, things of that nature. 
So I guess my only thing is I don't know. I'm I'm not an economist. I don't understand if you brought back NCAA football. This has always been my big question, right? So we're going to use uh, Clemson for example, okay? So you have Trevor Lawrence, the presumptive Heisman favorite, the presumptive first pick of the draft for next year by Bill Belichick and the Patriots, who are a bunch of cheaters. Okay. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, how do you? How much money does he get versus the backup long snapper? Yeah, it, I just don't know. Obviously, I'm gonna probably buy the game because of Trevor Lawrence and not the backup snapper. At Rutgers, we do care about Billy Taylor. Congrats on being named on the uh, preseason watch list for best snapper. So we got going for it right now. Hey, so, you know. <laughs> nevertheless, I, I don't understand. I. I mean, I, think I guess an economist can figure that out. I think it's outside of a scenario like that. Like maybe if it's a video game, it's a flat number. Every guy, you're going to pay $2. So you ran it, 100 bucks to $1,000. Yeah. But a guy like a Trevor Lawrence should be able to go to whatever restaurant is you know around the university and get a spot and get go get a sponsorship. He should be able to do his own radio show and get paid for it and, and take a picture holding the menu and I have a burger and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's up to the player. That's up to to the, to the school, the player, the state. I guess what's so interesting is, as Big Ten guys, this issue seemed to be kind of resolved. There's obviously other parts of it that aren't resolved, like you mentioned the video game aspect. But I know New Jersey, there's going to be a pay to play kind of thing. It, it, it's kind of gone away. Uh, maybe out west, and I just haven't noticed that they've been really screwing these players up. Yeah, I think that's definitely the. Yeah, you're not a Pete Carroll guy. No, no. Is it the gum chewing? No, I don't know what it is. I, I I think I just it's the USC thing. He always came off as an arrogant prick. Run the ball from the one yard line in the Super Bowl, you moron. Would you have rather the Patriots won that Super Bowl? I'm sorry. Never mind. I I just screwed that up. Yeah, I screwed that up. Yeah. I just hate how people claim for this guy to be such a great coach. And he couldn't it just, I don't know. I don't like him. I mean, he got him back to back. So he got him one yard away from a back to back Super Bowl. Should have ran the football. That's me. I, I understand. I'm just saying, you know, I mean, and I'm way, blame I mean, him for ruining the big sky conference. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making it up now. Oh, now you're just, oh, you're just, okay. Yeah, is, does he have anything to do with the uh, explosion in Beirut? No, I'm pretty sure he does not. By the way, you know, obviously, we're thoughts and prayers to all the people in Lebanon. By the way, so, but anyways, um, where were we? <laughs> I'll, I'll look back in. This what's is yeah, that's vision? that's your, your fault. What's your vision for college football? Let's call it 2020. <laughs> yeah, uh, but 2020, 2020, 2021. Okay, well, so I've been saying this now for a few weeks, and I, I am completely of the belief that the FBS and FCS should move to the spring. Start the season. We could even start it maybe mid-February or start it in uh, you know March 1st. It's a good, it's a good date to start anything. Um and by that point, there may be a vaccine. Either way, we could figure out the best ways to insulate the players from 
whomever else is on campus. By doing that, you're also going to, you can, I mean, so the Big Ten right now is supposed to start practice uh, tomorrow, right? Meanwhile, Rutgers is quarantining until Saturday. And they have a game in less than a month, and they haven't practiced yet. And they're coming off a quarantine where they weren't even working out for the past two weeks. Right. How is this? This is not going to work. This is ridiculous. You play anyone who is, um, you know, wants to opt out, and we'll get into there's already been a few opt-outs. There's going to be a bunch of opt-outs either way. So have them, you know, opt out and play the season. If, you, you know, if you need to make an, uh, some kind of uh, agreement with the NFL, you do a second very large supplemental draft come late May, early June. And, and just that's it. And maybe the NFL considers pushing back the start of next season by two weeks. It's going to be it, it will be difficult for those incoming rookies that play the college season. But the NFL you know desperately wants to get to the end of February for the Super Bowl anyway. Yeah. Now here's the opportunity to do it. Not this yeah. year, but for, for next year. For next year, yeah. Right. It's built in. So you start football in late September or October 1st. It makes all the sense in the world. So, and I agree with you at this point, just to have a real season. Not from a people, I, I, I hear sheep, you're, you know, the fear and all. I want to see football. I don't want to see a bastardized version of the game. Uh, although I did say to you off the air, maybe Rutgers has a chance if everyone else has the quarantine. Maybe well, you never know, you know. But no, well, there's I'm no kidding. way Rutgers has it. But, but look, even if they play in the spring, there's going to be tons of opt outs. Right. It, it, it's so, but what happens then? So, a March season, you got 12 weeks. So you got March, April, May, right? Yeah. At, at minimum. Championships, bowls at the end of June. All right. So you probably have to play. You have to start mid-February. Then can you just pull it back to 10-game, 9-game, regular season kind of thing or no? Well, at minimum, you would take the schedules that you have right now. But to me, if you're going to wait until the spring, I would do it where you, you bring back the out-of-conference games. And, look, by that point, you might even be able to have fans in the stands. Right. So, I mean, that's why delaying gives you so many more options as opposed to pushing through this ridiculous schedule, you know, that, and by the way, and we discussed this off air, clearly the Big Ten either they're trying to protect certain teams or they don't believe this is going to go forward because why would you not have Ohio State, Michigan as the final in the regular, the last week of the regular, the last week of the Big Ten schedule? Well, it's like the, the fourth week. Right. All the rumor circulating around the Big Ten, and we've discussed this offline, is that the Big Ten really wants to push it to the spring. Yeah, But it sounds like they don't want to be the first to do it. So this is where it comes back to we should create a bubble of teams that are trying to – or leagues that are going to work together to be on the same page. Yeah, so but you know Big what? Big 10, Pac-12, all of us are going to say, hey, let's move 
to the spring together. You know, at the end of the day, yeah, and and I think though, at the end of the day, some school, whether it's a Rutgers or someone else, is going to just have to is going to force a conference's hand, and you know, so where it's not necessarily the conference is like, hey, we're doing this. It's well, look, um, I'm just going to case in point. Washington can't play right now. <laughs> they can't play till mid October. Right. So what do you want us to do? We we have to shut it down. Right. We can't just go on without Washington. Go yeah. Huskies. Yeah. Nice stadium. It's going to be nice interesting. Uh, it, yeah. It's going to be interesting. Let's move to around the National Football League. We discussed the Eagles. No, we're going to move to the Giants. There's no Gettle, no no ineptitude of Gettleman this week. Uh, this is well, interesting. sort of, kind of, um, <laughs> actually. So I'm, you know, and we said this a few episodes ago. Uh, I'm not going to fault any NFL player who chooses to opt out, right? So the Giants, as I had mentioned earlier, uh, Sam Beal opted out of the 2020 season. He was now the presumptive starter because of the wonderful choice to uh, draft DeAndre Baker. And we, as we've discussed in his legal saga, he's never going to dress up again for the uh, Giants. Now, Sam Beal, for those that don't know, Giant fans unfortunately do, Sam Beal was taken in the third round of the supplemental draft last year. Um Missed all so he was taken in the third round of the I guess it's the 2019 supplemental draft. Um, and literally the first day of training camp, hurt his shoulder, done for the year. Last year, or excuse me, 2018. Thank you. Uh 2018. So 2018 missed the entire season. 2019 played in six games. Uh was not good at all. I, I was I was not impressed. Some people were more impressed than me. I was not. I mean, I, I even cite to the Eagles game against your depleted receiving core where he was giving up uh, plays in the second half when you guys came back on us and beat us in overtime. So I didn't, I, I'm really not even that high on him. So he's not playing this year. So he will have in two years or three years only played in six games. And it's just a reminder of something that Gettleman did that screwed up. Uh, so Marcus Golden, by the way, did sign his May 5th tender. It did not come with fries. I, I hate the report. But there was a report. Honey from, mustard or, or honey mustard or no sauce barbecue. at all. No sauce at all. Yeah. Gotta go barbecue. I mean, that's the only I agree. I, I agree. Um but, so it's funny. So a lot of people around the league were credit were crediting Dave Gettleman with pulling out this kind of rabbit in the hat, this random rule that most people haven't used. Well, the giant beat writers kind of did some digging, and it turns out he wasn't even the one that thought of this. So even when it looks like it's something that he might be able to do well, it wasn't him. It was actually uh, one of the giant VPs, Kevin Abrams, who actually uh, knows one of my cousins well. Uh, they're friendly. So Kevin Abrams uh, was the one who took care of this. He's the giant capologist, and it was not um, it was not good old Davy G. So that's the latest in his ineptitude. Uh, I'm sure I can think of more if you give me time, but there's always next week. So there is always wait, next week. I'll wait till next week. We're going to go. We usually, this is where we go around the NFC East and we check in with Washington, who still doesn't have a name. 
probably won't. Although they did un officially unveil their helmet. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, that happened Thursday on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, I don't even know what their Twitter and Instagram is. It was at Redskins. It may it may still be, but I, I don't. I just don't like it. I know you're a big fan of the Alabama look with the number. I, I think it could it could have been an opportunity to do something different. You mean you want a white helmet? No, I don't. I don't. I don't you want basically you're like you know you know remember in like uh, my big fat Greek wedding there was the the father who would like spray Windex on everything. Your your answer to all problems is just put a white helmet on it. No, I would have went really, yellow. I would have went yellow to be honest, but that's neither yeah. here nor there. It's a nice looking helmet. It is okay. It's fine. Dallas, we got nothing going on in Dallas. So let, let's kick it off around the National Football League. I think the biggest news to come out outside of the opting out of the NFL is the Las Vegas. I almost called them the Los Angeles Raiders. I would have really been dating myself. The Las Vegas Raiders are going to be moving into their $1 billion stadium that looks like uh, one of those robot, iRobot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, uh, I know what you're talking cleaners. about. Yeah, the, the Roomba, right? The Is Roomba, that a Roomba? Roomba. Yeah. yeah, it looks like a Roomba. $1 billion stadium, bells, whistles, all this fancy stuff. Not a soul is going to be there to see it. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, so I guess my question is, were you expecting them to play like at UNLV? Or is yeah, it just well, more would, the, yeah. I'm expecting a lot of places, irregardless of the what the science is telling us, that they're going to have fans in the stands at a limited number. Vegas has the casinos open and all that stuff. Why, why wouldn't they allow fans in? I don't know. And, and uh, Mark Davis, who, after Jerry Jones, is the creepiest-looking owner of ever. He's a creepy-looking guy. Um, you know, I kind of would have thought that he would try to put fans in. You know, I, I still think at the end of the day, Goodell is going to say, look, no fans anywhere because there, there is a page. Yeah. Cause again, th that's a competitive issue then. Especially when you go to a capacity thing, it, when yeah. you're talking 20% of a hundred thousand, 20,000 fans, when you're looking yeah. at stadiums, like who someone plays in a, in a smaller, uh, I think your Buffalo bills might be like 60. No, I think by the way, excuse me, my Buffalo Bills playing a 74,000 seat stadium. Don't it, undercut them. Is Rich Stadium 74,000? Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's like a hole in the ground. The NFL, so, I just, it's I, got I, character. I, Goodell has to come out now. The, the NFL is, is about a month away. We're getting ready to do our 32 for 32. We're about a month away from NFL kickoff. And there's been no no talk of fans in the stands. Just make the goddamn announcement and, and put in there a, a, a caveat that we can review this after every four weeks. Yeah, if something will change halfway through, and you can allow fans in. Okay, so yeah. you, you, then you change it. Yeah, but even have... then, I don't I don't see it. So the and my example is going to be the Giants. So. Um, the Giants had their first episode of Giant Life. It's kind of sort of like the UFC has their embedded. It's it's their, you know, behind the scenes of training camp. And so Joe Judge walked the audience through how the Giants have set up training camp. So the Giants have right next to MetLife Stadium Quest Diagnostic Center, which is the New York Giants headquarters. They moved everything this summer to 
the stadium. They they basically took over the the executive clubs, you know, all the fancy clubs in the in the middle of the stadium, so that you could have proper social distancing. And I have to imagine a lot of teams have done the same thing. So you you can't have people in the stadium right now. I, I don't disagree with you. It, it just the announcement has to be made. Came out as we're recording this that the NFL is expecting at least a billion dollar loss on ticket revenue for the 2021 season. Look, if I'm the NFL, I'm trying to find a way that hopefully come playoff time, maybe we can start letting people back in. And if everything's going well from a health standpoint, by the by February, maybe you could push back the Super Bowl a little bit and you can have people there. Because that would be weird, a Super Bowl without people. Yeah, I mean, again, why, you know, then what, if you're confident that there's going to be a vaccine, why not start the season then in November? I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't I, know. It, yeah. I would, I would at least push it back. And by all accounts, if you, depending on what you read, it looks like something's coming sooner rather than later. And look, maybe it doesn't work. I don't know. But if, if it's out there, you, you can't, if it's out there and there's a science out there to do it, you can't prevent, you know, you can't prevent the whole process. Yeah. So who knows? I mean, yeah, look, that's, that's a big loss, but obviously the, the TV revenue will keep them afloat. Yeah. TV, TV revenue will keep the league afloat. Uh, anything else you want to touch on around the national football league this week? Um. Well, so going back to the Giants. So as we talked about last week, Joe Judge had the, the decided, 90. yeah. So Joe Judge was being uh, kind of exalt. I don't know if exalt, but people were giving him a lot of credit uh, for choosing to go with a ninety-team roster and doing the split squad. And I think literally it took him about half a day, and he's like, "We're not doing this." Uh, so he fell in line with the rest of the teams, and the Giants are at eighty people. Uh, that's one thing. Number two, this does affect the NFL. Yeah, so there are have been. And going back to the NCAA, there have been three players who have opted out um, from the, for actually there wouldn't be their senior seasons. I'm trying to think, I think they're all juniors one. Yeah, they're all juniors. So they've opted out, which means it'll be okay for them to enter the NFL draft because to enter the NFL draft, all you have to do is be three years removed from high school. I think that's the rule. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. So it's, um, Caleb Farley, a cornerback from Virginia Tech. Uh, Micah Parsons, the middle linebacker for Penn State. And Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver from Minnesota. All three of which are uh, first-round picks. Parsons and and uh, Farley, probably top 15 picks. Bateman, at worst, I think is a mid-second-round pick. He's a... Uh, a tall, he's kind of like a T. Higgins from last year, taller, athletic, but you know, big body, uh, red zone threat. Uh, and you're going to see a lot more of these, whether the NCAA tries to play in the fall or if they push off until uh, the spring. Either way, you're going to, I think, so I think the final tally for the NFL opt outs is it's going to be about 65, give or take a few. I bet in the end, you're going to have. You'll, you'll probably have a similar number for the NCAA. Because the thing is, if you're not a top, you know, if you're a third round player right now, you need the tape to try to get into the first round. That's right. the problem. Right. So, 
Yeah. What so we those are, Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, well, then the only other thing is uh, our beloved Rutgers unveil their new uniforms. Oh, we're gonna yeah. Well, so Rutgers went decided well, to go new uniforms. I'm, Rutgers I'm doing kicked it back to 2000 and 2007 to 2011. Eight. 2008, yeah. 2011. Two, 2007 to 2011. I like it. It's classic. It is what it, it's Rutgers. It, it, no frills. It's what people think of when they they think of teams that were going to bowl games and winning seven to nine, ten games a year. Yeah. And not it's not salmon. You can read the letters, the names legibly. And yeah, only problem is no white helmet. Yeah, exactly. White helmets are good for good for you. Yes. <laughs> so what we've got coming up. 32 yeah. teams in 32 days on our YouTube channel. Check out all of our social for that link, and it'll be in the show notes. That starts on Sunday. Kickoff kicks off Sunday with the LA Chargers, and we start with the AFC West. Uh, we are going to. We think this is a very much a think. We are previewing all Power Five conferences at this point. We are preparing for such, since the leagues are preparing for football. So that will also be a YouTube exclusive. Uh, Chris Quay, Doug Eastlick, Brendan Borowski, Kalechi O'Kerry uh, all played Division One football in some form, some fashion. Will be joining us to discuss uh, Chris Quay, Rutgers, Doug Eastlick, the National Football League, and Virginia Tech. Brendan Borowski, interesting to get his take on his UConn Huskies canceling a season. And Kalechi, he is a Penn Quaker, and he is very much involved in the sports nutrition industry. Yeah. And working towards health and safety with professional athletes. That'll be coming up as well. Uh, where can people follow us? They can follow us at GL Stand Show on all social media platforms and GoLineStandShow.com. That is correct. Yep. We, we will see you next week. Everybody, stay safe, wear a mask, and uh, keep shopping. Uh-huh.